Hey there, this is Nathan Agin, and welcome to the Working Actors Journey, connecting you with lifelong professionals. This podcast is designed to show you how the work is done, what the realities of the working actor life are like, and to share all the different ways actors have come to this career. There is no one path and no single answer. We want to learn from all of those further down the road to shorten the learning curve and to discover what helps and what doesn't when it comes to having a lifelong career as an actor. For today's episode, as we literally celebrate Twelfth Night this week on January 5th, what better time than now to release part one of our repertory workshop of this Shakespearean play? This was an even bigger experiment than the rehearsal room workshops. With repertory, we had a company of six actors, half professional and half younger and or newer, who met twice a week for seven weeks to work on four different scenes. Everyone played at least two characters, and they worked with two different directors. In this episode, you'll hear the two scenes they worked on with director Brendan Fox. This was actually the second presentation we did, though these two scenes come first chronologically in the play, so that's why you're hearing this part first. Don't worry, you didn't miss anything. The other presentation, which I plan to release next, will include two scenes from Act 3, directed by Liz Swain. So, from May 2021 and directed by Brendan Fox, here are Act 1, Scene 5, and Act 2, Scene 4, from Twelfth Night. The first scene includes almost everyone at Olivia's house, some great exchanges with the fool, and then the meeting of Olivia and Viola, who is disguised as Orsino's servant, Cesario. Then the following scene has Orsino with Viola, still disguised, who expresses her love for Orsino through a story about Cesario's sister. And if you've missed anything, you can catch up on our previous rehearsal room workshops featuring professional actors and directors in Hamlet, King Lear, Troilus and Cressida, Midsummer, Julius Caesar, As You Like It, and more, all on the podcast and YouTube. And don't forget about all the amazing interviews with 25-plus professional working actors. Each one has such a fascinating story to share. Go to workingactorsjourney.com to find links to everything. So in today's episode, our cast includes, for Act 1, Scene 5, Janet Greaves as Mariah, Sarah Mountjoy Pepka as Festy, the Fool, Michelle Schultz as Olivia, Jamal Douglas as Malvolio, Garrett Botts as Sir Toby, and Erica Rolfsrud as Viola. Then in Act 2, Scene 4, we have Garrett as Orsino, Michelle as Festy, and Sarah as Viola. The professionals in the repertory group include Janet, who worked with the Peter Hall Company, and then Erica and Jamal, who both graduated from the MFA program at the Old Globe USD and have worked on Broadway in New York and regionally. Now, everybody in this group did such exceptional work. There are so many places I could highlight with each of them with moments they found. It was truly a joy to watch. We'd be here for another hour with me just talking about all the things I loved. Our dramaturgs for repertory were Gideon Rappaport and Philippa Kelly, and the voice coaches were Ursula Meyer and Scott Ferrara. You can find Q&As with Gideon, Ursula, and Scott all on the podcast. To complete the set, I absolutely need and want to get Philip on here very soon. And our director, Brendan Fox, is back after directing a scene from The Merchant of Venice in the rehearsal room, which you'll find on the podcast and on YouTube. 
Brendan worked as an associate director at the Old Globe and has worked nationally and internationally as a director. I gotta say, as the producer and an audience member for Repertory, this became a particularly rewarding experience because I was able to watch all these amazing artists work on such different characters to not only stretch themselves, but also to bring so much of each of their own personalities to all of these roles to make everyone so human. There's lots of fantastic discussion, and you are in for some first-rate work. I'm very grateful to Liz and Brendan for bringing up this idea in the first place and being willing to take this ride. I'm so glad we did. So, without further ado, here we go with the Part 1 Repertory presentation of Twelfth Night from May 2021. Right, again, uh, officially, thank you uh, for uh, being part of our uh, second uh, repertory presentation of the 12th night scenes we've been working on. Some of you may have been here, uh, uh, you know, certainly uh, as we've been going through these number of weeks, and you may have been here on Monday, but I want to just give a quick uh, context uh, for anyone that is totally new to this. My name is Nathan Agin. I'm the host and producer of The Working Actor's Journey, and over the last year, that uh, evolved from uh, a podcast or there, there's still the podcast, but then we've been doing these uh, workshops. And for this round, we did a grand experiment of uh, taking four scenes from one play, Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, and two directors. Uh, today, you'll see Brendan Fox, and on Monday, there was Elizabeth Swain. We're each working on two scenes with the same cast of actors, six actors. And in all four of those scenes, very often, actors were playing multiple parts. And so it there was a little bit of that repertory theater experience. In a true repertory theater, you might have the same company doing two or three entirely different plays, uh, playing different characters. But this, you know, uh, allowed us to experiment with one play and each, you know, both the cast getting different perspectives on the same material from two different people. And then also the directors being able to see, well, how does another director approach the material? So there was a lot uh, for us to explore and, and experiment and have fun with. Um, and so it's been a, a great experience to have uh, uh, professionals and uh, you know newer artists uh, involved. And so th- there's a lot of a lot of great stuff been going on o- over the past six weeks and uh, you know discussion and discovery. Um, I believe that is it for me. I will say uh, if you weren't here on Monday, I did a little special announcement about what is coming up. And uh, I'm going to tease that again, that if you stick around to the end, I'll share more about what our next uh, next round will be. Um, and uh, I think that's it for me. So uh, you will hear from uh, a couple of people, in, uh, you know, right now. So I'm going to turn it over to Brendan Fox, who's directing. And then uh, uh, Philip Kelly uh, was one of the dramaturgs um, uh, as part of the process. And so, Brendan, I will now turn it over to you. Thanks, Nathan, and I want to thank you for this second great opportunity to work with you and Working Actors Journey on these experiences. Um, my, my first round working on Merchant of Venice was a joy, and this has uh, been just as wonderful. Um, and so that's all due to, to you. So thank you, and, and uh, I love being part of this, this experiment with repertory. And uh, one other thing I was going to add that I think was uh, that was part of our discussion, Yumi and Liz Swain, was in creating this, 
One thing I, th- I found really exciting was when we were looking at what scenes to choose, we both, Liz and I, thought each of us w- would have a large scene or a large cast scene and then a smaller, more intimate scene to work with with the same group of actors so that that way not only would they get four scenes to work on from Twelfth Night, but they and our audience today would get to experience what what that dynamic is like when you have something big like Act 1, Scene 5, which we'll start with, and what what is that like when you are a large or a smaller part of that, but still an integral part of a large, uh, you know, more orchestral scene, and then something a lot more intimate, which is our trio for Act 2, Scene 4. I think that's great. Thank you very much, Brendan. Yeah, happy to provide the, uh, the sandbox, sandbox for all of you. Yeah, and it has been, uh, I think, a, a really fantastic thing, uh, sandbox, and, and I don't want to forget this at the end of today, but so I'm going to start off with additional thanks to uh, Philippa and Gideon, uh, our incredible dramaturgs, uh, who are just an endless font of incredible information and perspectives on these characters, these scenes, and and your enthusiasm and joy for, for Shakespeare is, is, is boundless. And, uh, you give me so much, so much to think about, Philippa. So thank you for that. And this year, this cast is, is phenomenal and it's, it's bittersweet because I love every moment with them. And of course, every time we finish, I'm like, okay, so when are we going to do this again and be in a room together and go beyond it? But it's, it's the best kind of bittersweet because, uh, what I love about this group, which I think you all see today is, how fearless you all have been, how inquisitive you've been, curious and supportive of each other, and also just a lot of fun. And that's, I think that's crucial as well, when, especially when challenging uh, texts are involved. So thank you. Um, I think we will, we're going to start with Act 1, Scene 5, as I mentioned, the larger um, scene. Um, and uh uh, in a second, I'll turn it over to Philip. who will give us some some context for those who are a little rusty on your twelfth night uh, lore. Um, Philip will will uh, will will fill us in, and then then we'll jump into that scene. When that's wrapped up, we'll take a moment and pivot to two four, and uh, then we'll change we'll change up our our screen names uh, for Zoom purposes. And Philip, if you can also give us a little. Uh, background for that, uh, and then we'll jump in and then take questions. Um, I, I'd like to just share with the actors a couple of quick thoughts. A lot of this I know we know, but I think it's still worth saying um, that this is always a work in progress, as are we, and uh, just because this is our final time to explore these scenes, uh, I would just encourage you to just keep playing in the sandbox, keep making new discoveries, and and trying new things out as you've been doing every week. So we don't have to feel like this is any kind of culmination or opening or closing. It's, it's just another chance to play and explore. And as we've been talking about all along, um, you know, I would encourage you all to keep finding how much do these characters want what they want in every moment and how much and how quickly can they change? Both of these scenes are, I think, incredible representations of how, uh, Quicksilver these characters are in their identities, in their wants, desires, frustrations, um, shade that they're throwing at each other at times. That that's all part of of how uh, in, in incredible and protean these these you all are. So I would just encourage you to to lean into that and see what happens. Any questions or thoughts on that? Great, uh, Philippa, you want to? 
Yeah, thank you, Brendan. Um, so everybody, um, this play was written um, hard up against Hamlet. And one of the things, I think they're such different plays, but this has quite a bit of darkness, um, as in mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and then also the role of Malvolio, which is kind of unresolved, but sort of bitter at the end of the play. Um, also, one intriguing thing about this play, I think, is that we look at Shakespeare's women through the through his works, and um, how do they exercise freedom in a society where, which is very much controlled by men, and one option is um, if they don't want to marry, go into the convent, and another one for a wealthy woman like Olivia is okay, if I don't want to go into the convent, um, how about I just go into mourning for seven years for the death of my father and my brother? And so that's what she chooses to do in order to uh, avoid the advances of the Duke Orsino. Um, but then what happens, there is a beautiful young man um, who has red lips and rosy cheeks um, who comes on behalf of Duke Orsino to, um, to try to woo her into marriage, which was quite common in that time. Um, a, a man would send an envoy to woo on behalf of him. And what happens in this is that Olivia falls in love with this beautiful young man, except it's a woman. And this woman, uh, Viola, is dressed as Cesario. So in this scene, which is absolutely hilarious, we begin with all sorts of bawdy sexual jokes between Mariah and Festy the Fool. Uh, remember, Festy festival celebration, Twelfth Night was the celebration of the Christmas period, the Epiphany. Um, and as we move through, we see Viola, who's secretly in love with the Duke, now making his advances, reluctantly of course, because she loves him, to Olivia. And I'll leave you to watch what happens as Olivia um, starts to really notice this young man. And I'll also say just, um, to be, to, uh, because I get the chance here, I have absolutely loved dramaturging in this project. I can't believe, you know, Brendan, you were saying when we work together again, if every director could be like Brendan, not only would theatre, Shakespeare be fantastic all the way around, um, but we would all just be constantly joyful in and out of the theatre. And I've just loved working with these incredible actors who have just, you know, we give notes and these actors pick up these notes just so beautifully. And, of course, they're all really wonderful actors, um, many of whom have been acting at the at the Globe. So... With that, I hand over to these extraordinary professionals. Thank you. Nay, either tell me where thou hast been, or I will not open my mouth so wide as a bristle may enter in way of thy excuse. My lady will hang thee for thy absence. Let her hang thee. 
He that is well hanged in this world needs to fear no colors. Make that good. He shall see none to fear. A good Lenten answer. I can tell thee where that saying was born of I fear no colors. Where, good Mistress Mary? In the wars. And that may you be bold to say in your foolery. Well, God give them wisdom that have it, and those that are fools, let them use their talents. Yet you will be hanged for being so long absent, or to be turned away. Is not that as good as a hanging to you? Many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage. And for turning away, let summer bear it out. You are resolute, then. Not so, neither. But I am resolved on two points. And if it's one break, the other will hold. Or if both break, your Gaskins fall. Apt, in good faith. Very apt. Well, go thy way. If Sir Toby would leave drinking, thou wert as witty a piece of ease slash as any in Illyria. Peace, you rogue. No more that. Here comes my lady. Make your excuse wisely. You were best. Wit and be thy will. Put me into a good fooling. Those wits that think they have thee do very oft prove fools. And I, that am sure I lack thee, may pass for a wise man. Oh, for what says Quinopolis? Better a witty fool than a foolish wit. God bless thee, lady. Take the fool away. Do you not hear, fellows? Take away the lady. Go to. You are a dry fool. I'll know more of you. Besides, you grow dishonest. Too false, Madonna, that drink and good counsel will amend. Forgive the dry fool drink. Then is the fool not dry. <laughs> Bid the dishonest man mend himself. If he mend. He is no longer dishonest. If he cannot, let the botcher mend him. Anything that's mended is but patched. Virtue that transgresses is but patched with sin. And sin that amends is but patched with virtue. If that this simple syllogism will serve so. If it will not, what remedy? As there is no true cuckold but calamity. So beauty's a flower. The lady bade take away the fool. Therefore, I say again, take her away. Sir, I bade them take away you. Miss Prisian in the highest degree. Lady, cuculus non facet monocum. Sir, that's as much to say, I wear not motley in my brain. Good Madonna, give me leave to prove you a fool. Can you do it? Dexteriously, good Madonna. Make your proof. I must catechize you for it, Madonna. Could my mouse avert you? Answer me. Well, sir, for want of other idleness, I'll bide your proof. Good Madonna. Why mournst thou? Good fool. For my brother's death. I think his soul is in hell, Madonna. I know his soul is in heaven, fool. You are fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. Take away the fool, gentlemen.
would think you of this fool Malvolio? Does he not mend? Yes, it shall do to the pangs of death shake him. Infirmity that decays the wise doth ever make the better fool. God sent you, sir, a speedy infirmity for the better increasing your folly. Sir Toby will be sworn that I am no fox, but he will not pass his word for a tuppence that you are no fool. How say you to that, Malvolio? I marvel your ladyship takes delight in such a barren rascal. I saw him put down the other day with an ordinary fool that has no more brain than a stone. Look you now. He's out of his guard already. Unless you laugh and minister occasion to him, he is gagged. I protest I take these wise men that crow so at these set kind of fools no better than the fool's zanies. Oh, you are sick of self-love, Malvolio, and taste with a distempered appetite. To be generous, skillless, and of free disposition is to take those things for bird bolts that you deem cannon bullets. <laughs> there is no slander in an allowed fool, though he do nothing but rail, nor no railing in a known discreet man though he do nothing but reprove. Now, Mercury, endue thee with lying, for thou speakst well of fools. Madam, there is at the gate a young gentleman much desires to speak with you. From the Count Orsino, is it? I know not, madam. Tis a fair young man, and well attended. Who of my people hold him in delay? Um, Sir Toby, madam, your kinsman. Oh, fetch him off, I pray you. He speaks nothing but madmen. Fie on him. Go you, Malvolio. If it be a suit from the Count, I am sick or not at home. What you will to dismiss it. Now you see, sir, how your fooling grows old and people dislike it. Thou hast spoke first, Madonna, as if thy eldest son should be a fool, whose skull Jove cram with brains for... For mine honor, half-drunk. What is he at the gate, cousin? And gentlemen... What gentleman? There's a gentleman in here. Ooh. Mm. <clears throat> a plague of these pickle herring. <laughs> How now? Shut! Cousin, How have you come so early by this lethargy? Lechery? Why defy lechery? Oh, there's one at the gate. Aye, Mary, what is he? I let him be the devil, and he will. I care not. Give me faith, say I. <laughs> well, it's all one. What's a drunken man like, fool? Like a drowned man, a fool, and a madman. One draft above heat makes him a fool, the second mads him, and the third drowns him. Go thou and seek the coroner and let him sit in my cuz, for he's in the third degree of drink. He's drowned. Go look after him.
He is but mad yet, Madonna, and the fool shall look to the madman. Madam, yon fellow swears he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. He takes on him to understand so much and therefore comes to speak with you. I told him you were asleep. He seems to have foreknowledge of that too and therefore comes to speak with you. What is to be said to him, lady? He's fortified against any denial. Tell him he shall not speak with me. I've been told so and he says he'll stand at the door like a sheriff's post and be the supporter of a bench. But he'll speak with you. What kind of man is he? Why, of mankind. What manner of man? A very ill manner. He'll speak with you, will you or no? Of what personage and years is he? Not yet old enough for a man, nor young enough for a boy. As a squash is before tis a peas cod or a codling when tis almost an apple. Tis with him in standing water between boy and man. He is very well favored and he speaks very shrewishly. One would think his mother's milk was scarce out of him. Let him approach. Call in my gentlewoman. Gentlewoman! My lady calls. Give me my veil. Come, throw it on my face. <laughs> we'll once more hear Orsino's embassy. <clears throat> the Honorable Lady of the House, which is she? Speak to me. I shall answer for her. Your will. Most radiant, exquisite, and unmatchable beauty. <laughs> I, I pray you, tell me if this be the lady of the house, for I never saw her. I would be loath to cast away my speech, for besides that it is excellently well penned. I've taken great pains to con it. Oh. Good beauties, let me sustain no scorn. I am very comfortable even to the least sinister usage. Whence came you, sir? I can say little more than I have studied, and that question's out of my part. Good gentleman, give me modest assurance, if you be the lady of the house, that I may proceed in my speech. Ooh, are you a comedian? No, my profound heart. And yet by the very fangs of malice, I swear I am not that I play. Are you the lady of the house? If I do not usurp myself, I am. Well, certain, if you are she, you do usurp yourself. But what is yours to bestow is not yours to reserve. But this is from my commission. I will on with my speech in your praise and then show you the heart of my message. Come to what is important in it. I forgive you the praise. Alas, I I took great pains to study it, and uh, it is poetical. <laughs> it is the more like to be feigned. I pray you, keep it in. I heard you were saucy at my gate, and allowed your approach rather to wonder at you than to hear you. If you be bad, be gone. If you have reason, be brief. Tis not that time of moon with me to make one in so skipping a dialogue. Will you hoist sail, sir? Here lies your way. No, good swabber. I am to hull here a little longer. <laughs> Some mollification for your giant, lady. <laughs> Tell me your mind. I am a messenger. 
sure you have some hideous matter to deliver when the courtesy of it is so fearful. <gasps> Speak your office. It alone concerns your ear. I bring no overture of war, no taxation of homage. I hold the olive in my hand. My words are as full of peace as matter. Yet you began rudely. It, what are you? What would you? The rudeness that hath appeared in me have I learned from my entertainment. <clears throat> what I am and what I would are as secret as maidenhead. To your ears, divinity. To any others, profanation. <laughs> Give us the place alone. We will hear this divinity. Now, sir, what is your text? Most sweet lady. Oh, a comfortable doctrine, and much may be said of it. Where lies your text? In Orsino's bosom. In his bosom? In what chapter of his bosom? To answer by the method in the first of his heart. Oh, I have read it. It is heresy. Have you no more to say? Good madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? You are now out of your text. But we will draw the curtain and show you the picture. <sighs> Look you, sir. Such a one I was this present. It's not well done. Excellently done. If God did all. Tip in grain, sir. Twill endure wind and weather. His beauty truly blent, whose red and white nature's own sweet and cunning hand laid on. Lady, you are the cruelest she alive if you will leave these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy. Oh, sir, I will not be so hard-hearted. I will give out diverse schedules of my beauty. It shall be inventoried and every particle and utensil labeled to my will as a item, two lips, indifferent red, item, Two grey eyes with lids to them. Item, uh, one neck, one chin, and uh, so forth. But will you send hither to praise me? See what you are. You are too proud. But if you were the devil, you are fair. My lord and master loves you. Oh, such love could be but recompense, though you were crowned the nonpareil of beauty. How does he love me? With adorations, uh, with fertile tears, with groans that thunder love, with sighs of fire. Your lord does know my mind. I, I cannot love him. Yet I suppose him virtuous, know him noble, of great estate, of... Fresh and stainless youth, in voices well divulged, free, learned, and valiant, and in dimension in the shape of nature, a, a gracious person. But yet I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's flame, with such a suffering, such a deadly life, in your denial I would find no sense. I would not understand it. Why? 
What would you? Make me a willow cabin at your gate and call upon my soul within the house. Write loyal cantons of contemned love and sing them loud even in the dead of night. Hello your name to the reverberous hills and make the babbling gossip of air cry out, Olivia! You should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, and yet my state is well. I am a gentleman. Get you to your lord. I cannot love him. Let him stand no more, unless perchance you come to me again to tell me how he takes it. Fare you well. I, uh, I thank you for your pains. Spend this for me. I am no feed post, lady. Keep your purse. My master, not myself, lacks recompense. Love make his heart a flint that you shall love, and let your fervor, like my master's, be placed in contempt. Farewell, fair cruelty. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state is, well, I am a gentleman. I'll be sworn thou art. Thy tongue, thy face, thy limb, action and spirit, to give thee five-fold blazing. Not too fast. Soft, soft. Unless the master were the man. Now, even so quickly may one catch the plague. Methinks I feel this youth's perfections with an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Well, let it be. What ho, Malvolio? Here, madam, at your service. Run after that same peevish messenger, the county's man. He, uh, he left this ring behind him. Uh, would I or not tell him I'll none of it? Desire him not to flatter with his lord, nor hold him up with hopes. I am not for him. If that the youth will come this way tomorrow, I'll give him answers for it. Behind me, Malvolio. Madam, I will. I do, I know not what. And fear to find mine eye too great a flatterer for my mind. Fate, show thy force. Ourselves we do not owe. What is decreed must be. And be this so. <laughs> Lovely. Beautiful work, everyone. I just, I can't get over Michelle. I'm still dying about watching, watching Olivia try to get that ring off. There is. It really, he left it behind. I don't know why it's on my finger. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really beautiful. 
beautiful work. Um, I, I just, I want to share that I think, I feel like where we built even from last week was allowing all of them to be on such shifting ground and mm. that they, it, it really felt even more today, like each character has such a small flashlight but they have an idea of what's going on and, and how quickly things can shift and the surprise and shock that everyone what I mean, I was thinking Janet, for you and, and uh, for you and Sarah, that first scene was, was even clearer. And I think the fun that you were both having, but then I, I love that, that moment, Janet, when you stomped and kind of gobsmacked said, you, you are resolute. You're going to still pursue the way you're going to pull this off. That there's that all joking aside. We, I really saw this, the stakes and the, and how much you care about Feste and and the and the sake of the household and I the the shock that you had Sarah on noticing how quickly you were, you got back in favor and not only that but the way that Michelle was now starting to kind of give a public spanking to Jamal was was really was was wonderful just to, because I feel like it, it really captures the the topsy turviness of, of the play, not, not just scene by scene, but really moment to moment. Yes. Um, that, that I saw Michelle, you kind of taking stock every moment going, I, I think I'm actually forgiving Feste. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. I, I'm, I'm, you know, that way you're just taking her temperature moment to moment. Yeah. It's, um, like, it's like all of a sudden I start to feel myself, the real me. Stuff yes. come out again, and it's like very surprising. <laughs> exactly. I too, because I felt like I got your forgiveness earlier this week, and I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I and I felt like I I saw the shock on Jamal's face of wait, what's going on? I thought this was, and then even at the end, Jamal, when you're like, yes, at your service, I'm gonna make it up. I don't know how I lost your favor for a second there, but I'm I'm back, and, and whatever you, whatever you need, and I will watch you wrestle with that ring. Till the cows come home. It's, it's all good. And, and I mean, and you know, Erica, something that occurred to me that would be, I, mean, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, but it's kind of fascinating for you and Michelle and Janet when the kind of jig is up right before you say, Michelle, you know, that um, if I do not usurp myself, I am. It occurred to me, Erica, that there is this, idea that what if Violet gets it actually totally wrong? Like, what if she's like, are you, I know it, right? Like to Mariah, like you're the lady of the house. Am I right? Yes. I win. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, actually, I'm the lady of the house. So you're, you're really, are, you're losing big time. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Erica. You're bad at this game. You're supposed, you, you think you're all polished and all that, but it's, it's not, yeah, you're not doing so hot. Oh, I don't think I, it, today was the day that I felt like I really sort of felt how nervous Viola would be. Also, yeah. after having been harassed by everyone in the household almost and, and stubbornly sticking around and finally getting to the lady and now they're giving me crap. It's, just, you know, it's a little like, uh, I think know. it's so important, Erica, in terms of backstory, right? Because I think that, that, that it's Shakespeare gives it to us implicitly in the text. Of, of the trials you've had to go through. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and, and these are not easy gatekeepers, you know, between Sir Toby and Mariah and Malvolio. And I mean, you know, they, you know, uh, in, in the myth, you had, they only had Cerberus to deal with, but the many heads of Cerberus are these folks. And so on top of that, then you finally walk in and now you, now you have to play with these two Russian dolls 
They're looking exactly the same. And that, that heightens that. So by you walking in with that level of anxiety, yeah. I, I understood why you were oversharing. Right? <laughs> From the beginning, I'm like, I'm just, I, I know I've sh- I'm already off script. I'm really nervous. Um, but it's yeah. good. It's poetical, by the way. I mean, I'm going, oh my God, this is so TMI. I memorized it. <laughs> um, <laughs> tries to make a joke with Mariah and. I oh, I know. I, oh, I, I loved that. I thought that was, that was a great new, new wrinkle, Erigo. Like, you get what I did there, you know? And then Mariah's like, no. <laughs> and uh Garrett's drunkenness I was like oh shit having to deal with that in the, g- the gate wow your, your picture came up Garrett it was like three sheets to the wind you didn't even have to open your mouth <laughs> that's amazing yeah, and there was that moment Garrett early on when you stopped and you looked at them and then when they were talking about you and you had this like are you is it me is that- <laughs> yeah and that's that sense of I loved that today. I mean, there was not even a reference to you actually, as far as I know, maybe I missed it, but I love that you didn't actually try drinking at all. Do you know what I mean? That this was catching Balbolio, I mean uh, Sir Toby, but between like as he's coasting or as we talked about the you know, that, that EKG of inebriation that yeah. that it feels like you were off to get another drink because it was where did that make was that is that kind of Syncing up with what you were exploring? Yeah, kind of like riding the buzz, like starting to sober a little bit. Um, not enough to fix my clothes, but. <laughs> <laughs> and that the fact that you got even darker, I think, at the end, allowing yourself that air, that space to breathe, going into all's one, I think to me, it just, that, I feel like this play is full of these, these, um, you know, openings in the floor that just open up suddenly, you know, to the characters where they're, they're, they think they're heading in one direction or things are coming together. And then it's just, it's, they, they look into the abyss for a moment or they, they admit that they're scared or they need another drink or they don't know what's going on. And then they try to pick up the pieces and, and keep going. And even a cop, you know, like we talked about Sarah, an uber confident character like Feste, I really appreciate you leaned into his prayer his insecurity, his his sense of I, I I you know I put up a front with Mariah, but when it's just me, I I hope I can pull this off. And so it's you know it struck me as an interesting parallel for you, Sarah and Erica, that there was this both being on both high stakes, both sort of you know like that sense of am I going to be able to you know. Get, deliver and 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 persuade and use my my language to 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 get what I need. Yeah, yeah. We see we see Feste's prayer. Uh, even though we don't see Viola's, it, it almost it almost like hints she probably did the exact same thing. Yeah, like that right right down the lane, right for like around the corner. If we were doing the movie, I could see you, Erica, right up against the the, the stone wall, going, "Okay, you got this, you got this." Yeah, exactly. A little side of the cross. Yeah, exactly. Checking the mirror, you know, or in the or in the window, right? Pain to say like, "Yeah, do I, am I all the tie?" <laughs> and then and then it's 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 showtime, you know. But this, uh, so it was, yeah, it was really lovely all around. Yeah. <laughs> Philippa, did you want to add anything before we moved on? You're muted. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, just to say, 
Oh, gosh, I wish that you audience members had been able to see this as time's gone on because just all of the little adjustments through the weeks are so um, stunning to see and and I love the the the, the mix between bawdy humor and then going on to other kinds of humor always as I mentioned with that dark underscore yeah that's great well shall we um let's pivot to act two scene four and um and I, uh, Philippa, just before I turn the, give you the zoom mic, I, I did want to mention to our audience one thing that we talked about, um, in, with the actors quite a bit was, uh, was timeline and how I feel like it's, it's, it's helpful when I'm working with actors on Shakespeare is to think about how many times do you have with this person on stage? Yes, we know that violence is, that Cesario or Viola is with Orsino. Often off stage, but there are really only three scenes that they have together, right? And this is what we're going to we're going to see is their second one, and which I feel like is one of the fulcrums of the play. And the next time we see them together is Act Five, Scene One, the very end of the play, and and then they're together, and you know they they they're they're pledging their love and they're revealing who they finally really are. So we we talked about that in terms of what can happen in this scene that can move the needle emotionally and vulnerability wise as far as possible for those two. They still need further to go, which is why we need act five for them, I think, but that doesn't mean that this scene can't be really potent in terms of how open and vulnerable they can be with each other. Yeah, that's lovely, Brendan. And, and just to say also everybody that, um, that in that time, um, marriages between aristocrats were very much dynastic and so uh you 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 had certain property um your projected spouse had certain property and and it was really a, a you know a, a, um the blending of dynasties and so what we see here is viola um as Cesario, but wanting to uh in a sense uh, well, being totally into um, Orsino, um, and so, but in terms of dynasties, she uh, has very little and is marrying up. And so, when you look at Twelfth Night, you know yourselves as you as you um, see it in, in future years or iterations, maybe think about that. And then the fact that Malvolio also wants to marry up why is he seen as so ridiculous whereas all of our sympathies are with Viola and I think part of it too is part of the reason for this is that she is young lovely um and she has uh we we really enter her mind as she is planning um, how she's going to be disguised as Cesario and then as she goes into these lovely, often slightly humorous interactions. And as we see her here, she's talking about her father having had a daughter and the daughter is desperately in love. Um, she talks about the green and yellow colors in that time 
green was the colour for green sickness, which um, women was really another word for um, premenstrual syndrome. Um, and she sat like patients on a monument and patients had a very specific connotation in that time. It meant the capacity to endure. And as we see her, uh, her endurance through this play, we also um, understand a kind of strength of character. What never really is super clear is what she actually sees in Orsino that makes her so desperately in love. And just one last little thing about this scene. Um, it's interesting that um, Orsino mentions music um, for the second time in this play. And the idea of a musical score um, of the, of, of the harmonies of love and the disharmonies of love being played again and again and again through the centuries. And so Orsino is really responding to that reiterated music. But here in this play, we have Viola, a.k.a. Cesario, teaching him to listen in a different way. I, I love that, Philippa. And I, I would just add your, your, your great moment, a note about the question that any production and any exploration of this play wrestles with. One of the questions is, what is this relationship? Why does she fall for him? And, and that one, that is something we talked about in, in our scene work with, with this, um, that we're about to see. And I think we all were exploring the idea of his, Orsino's youth, youthfulness, his naivete, his sense of, of kind of talking about things that maybe he doesn't necessarily have a lot of experience with. And that Viola's insight and, and wisdom, even at a young age, might be able to see that he, uh, he can be taught. <laughs> he can be illuminated. He can learn to listen and, and grow. And I think that, 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 you, that, that I just wanted to note that, uh, you know, piggyback on, on that because I think it is really relevant to our exploration of the scene and, and how we, decided to approach uh their dynamic and and what what he thinks he knows versus what what Viola knows. Yes, and he doesn't have to marry a woman of beauty and property. He can marry this extraordinary young woman who comes to him uh, through nothing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, great. Um oh, and we should note that there is going there would be music playing. He says uh uh, while they're waiting for Feste to come and sing this song, they would be playing it underneath the first part of the dialogue between Orsino and Viola. So just imagine the music underneath their scene. Give me some music. Now, good morrow, friends. Now, good Cesario, but that piece of song, that old and antique song we heard last night, Methought it did relieve my passion much, more than light airs and recollected terms of these most brisk and giddy-paced times. Come, but one verse. He, he is not here, so please your lordship that should sing it. <laughs> uh, who was it? Best day the jester, my lord. Yeah. <laughs> cool, the lady Olivia's father took much delight in. He is about the house. Seek him out and play the tune the while. Come hither, boy. 
if ever thou shalt love, and the sweet pangs of it remember me. For such as I am, all true lovers are, unstayed and skittish in all motions else, save in the constant image of the creature that is beloved. How dost thou like this too? It gives a very echo to the seat where love is throned. Thou dost speak masterly. My life upon young though thou art, thine eyes hath stayed upon some favor that it loves, hath it not, boy? A little, by your favor. What kind of woman is? Of your complexion. She is not worth thee, then. What years of faith? <laughs> About your years, my lord. Too old, by heaven. But still the woman take an elder than herself. So where's she to him? So sway she level in her husband's heart. For boy, however we do praise ourselves. Our fancies are more giddy and unfirm. More longing, wavering, sooner lost and worn than women's are. I think it well, my lord. Then let thy love be younger than thyself, or thy affection cannot hold the bent. For women are as roses, whose fair flower, being once displayed, doth fall that very hour. And so they are. Alas, that they are so, to die even when they to perfection grow. Uh, oh, uh, fellow, come, the, the song we had last night. Mark it, Cesario. It is old and plain. The spinsters and the knitters in the sun and the free maids that weave their threads with bones do use to chant it. <laughs> it is silly sooth and dallies with the innocence of love like the old age. Are you ready, sir? Aye, pretty, sing. Come away, come away, death, and in sad cypress let me be laid. Fly away, fly away, breath, I am slain by a fair cruel maid. My shroud of white stuck all with you. Oh, prepare it. Oh, prepare it. My part of death, no one so true. Did share it, did share it. Not a flower, not a flower sweet On my black coffin let there be strong Not a friend, not a friend greet My poor corpse where my bones shall be thrown a thousand, thousand sighs to save. Lay me where, oh, lay me where. Sad true love, never find my grave. To weep there, 
Theirs for thy pains. No pains, sir. I take pleasure in singing, sir. I'll pay thy pleasure, then. Truly, sir, and pleasure will be paid one way or another. Give me now leave to leave thee. Now, <laughs> the melancholy god protect thee, and the, the tailor make thy doublet of changeable taffeta, for thy mind is a very opal. I would have men of such constancy put to sea, that their business might be everything in their intent everywhere, for that's it that always makes a good voyage of nothing. Farewell. Let all the rest give place. Once more, Cesario. Get thee to yon same sovereign cruelty. Tell her, my love, more nobler than the world, prizes not quantity of dirty lands, the parts that fortune hath bestowed upon her. Tell her I hold as giddily as fortune, but tis that miracle and queen of gems that nature pranks her in attracts my soul. But if she cannot love you, sir. I cannot be so answered. But you must say that some lady, as perhaps there is, Hath for your love as great a pang of heart as you have for Olivia. You cannot love her. You tell her so. Must she not then be answered? There is no woman's sides. Can bide the beating of so strong a passion as love doth give my heart. No woman's heart so big to hold so much they lack retention. Alas, their love may be called appetite. No motion of the liver, but the palate that suffers surfeit, cloyment, and revolt. But mine is all as hungry as the sea, and can digest as much. Make no compare between that love a woman can bear me and that I owe Olivia. I, but I know. What dost thou know? Too well what love women to men may owe. In faith, they are as true of heart as we. My father had a daughter, loved a man, as it might be, perhaps. Were I a woman, I should your lordship. And what's her history? A blank, my lord. She never told her love. But let concealment, like a worm in the bud, feed on her damask cheek. She pined in thought, and with a green and yellow melancholy sat like patience on a monument, smiling at grief. Was not this love indeed? How we men may say more, swear more, but indeed our shows are more than will. For still we prove much in our vows, but little in our love. But died thy sister of her love, my boy? I am all the daughters of my father's house. And all the brothers, too. 
and yet I know not. Sir, shall I to this lady? Aye, that's the theme. To her in haste, give her this jewel, say, My love can give no place, bide no denay. Beautiful. Really lovely work. I think Jamal liked it. Um, I would love to just take a moment and um, just ask for the the three of you um, what what happened today. Because I mean, I just found it was beautiful. You did some wonderful work last week. I think the time you took this week was was really lovely and so helpful to let the scene breathe and become even more courageous and and unsafe for them and uh and just gripping um and i was my heart was broken all over again michelle by your song it's just uh, heartrending um can you can the three of you share any thoughts and then i'd also love to ask the actors who weren't in that scene what they saw so but first sarah garrett michelle I came up with an idea that Festy might have been off stage listening to them. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, uh, I, I'm ready to make my entrance at the beginning. So, you know, and then, it, and then at the end, I want, I want to find out what's happening. And, and, um, uh, it was really very moving to just be a, a, a fly, sort of like a fly on the wall listening to that. I, I felt like I could see that, Michelle, in the way it affected your last speech to to them, that it felt less harsh and almost more encouraging or a sense of – I felt like were, it was coded in a different way. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, really lovely. Viola today had um, a more slippery uh, amount of courage coming in and out than I think previously. It it really came and went line by line. Like I I really lost courage sometimes, (laughs) and then would find it again, and then would lose it again. So it was more um, rapidly in and out than I think it's been in the past. Um, I don't know why, but but there it was, which was interesting to to feel it come and go. Um, I think that works for the scene. Yeah. I mean, that lot, like the attraction and the loss of traction. Yeah. It, it, it seemed, do, do you feel like that, that, that worked with the scene? Yeah. 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 I do. Um, and, um, I think it, I think it came from, if I were to take a guess, I think it comes from each week I hear Orsino's lines a little bit better and little things that he says make me drop. And so I'll, I'll, I'll start to build it again, and then there'll be, like, one word that he says that just makes me plummet, and then I'll have to start climbing back up again. So, you know, listening, that big that big actor secret, listening. <laughs> yeah. Garrett, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I played with some of the ideas that we had kind of talked about of that not being too sure and the idea of saying some of these 
uh, seemingly uh, misogynist things as like a guy's because he doesn't know what he's really talking about. Um, I, I think for mostly I've, I was playing with the idea of trying to search for my words. Like I don't know what I'm about to say. I'm just trying to search and catch the emotion and the feeling and the knowledge. Like the the line that really stuck out to me today, the exchange of is when um, uh, Viola says like, oh, but I know. And I'm just like so hungry for tell Tell me, tell me what you know. Like, yeah. what is it? What is it? Tell me. Um, like, I just, I want it so bad. Um, that's kind of what I was playing with today. Yeah, and I felt like you you wanted it to know from her, from him, her, yeah. right? That it's not just in general, but like you you've got something. I can see it. You you know something about the world, and you want to tap into that. There was one moment when when Sarah uh, when uh, Cesario Sarah Cesario says that I I think it's I I know too well uh, what love into when kind of and I. I almost lost my breath because I was saying, oh, my God, she's going to spill the bean. She's she's going to reveal herself. And, and that that breath where 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 she, you take it back, Sarah, and, and go back into cut was was just amazing. And and for Garrett, it was I just I just got this again, that wonderful quicksilver sense that the aristocrats in this play have. And so in a way, he's actually quite a good match for Olivia. Um, but that's why they, Orsino needs, uh, uh, Viola and Olivia needs Sebastian. But they both have that kind of weird, they, 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 they spent too much time, you know, having their every whim indulged and, and not really, you know, living in the real world. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. And I feel like Garrett, you, you know, two little moments stood out to me today was when, um, uh, that moment you took after, uh, Sarah said about your years, and where you decided to be vulnerable and say, Orsino saying she's not worthy, then he's not that that sense of I'm going to be honest, I don't think I'm that great shakes and I shouldn't be your barometer was just lovely. You're, I saw the choice Orsino made to reveal his own insecurities. And I also saw another moment, like you said, Michelle, of almost filled in beans when when you asked um, what's her history and Sarah, you took that moment before a blank. And I was like, oh. Is that the moment where she's going, should I just say it? No, I got nothing. No, I don't know. It's nothing. Yeah, Erica? Um, well, as you say that, it just struck me is that I have never heard a discussion about, uh, at any time that I've worked on this play or anything, about the toll of uh, Olivia's rejection mm-hmm. uh, taking the toll that it's taken on Orsino. Oh, yeah. You know, is always played with this sort of clueless, sort of egocentric air, and and it would certainly make for a vulnerability that that Viola would find appealing, and also that plea to to beg for you know her to say yes, say yes. He's a great guy. That it isn't just you know. Uh, size of fire because he's showing love that there are times that, that it's just too much. And I, I was, I was thinking, Sarah, too, when you're talking about sometimes feeling confident and sometimes not feeling confident and everything, you know, what really works, um, as a result of that, your decision to suddenly go, all right, shall I to this lady? It kind of feeds that a little bit 
more in terms of um, I got to get out of here. But I, I, I can't say it, but I, I'm going to say it, but I can't say You know, I just I'll go. I'll go. Um, you want me to do that thing? OK. All right. Bye. You know, it, it, yeah. it, really, it was so lovely. And I have to tell you, when I had um, stepped out of my seat to <clears throat> use the ladies. Room, and but I'd heard you guys uh, doing that the first monologue in Orsino. And when you said uh, come but one verse and then. <laughs> He is not here, so please your lordship that he should sing it. I mean, you were you were saying that, right? We turned those into Viola's line. I thought that that's when, because for a sec, I just wasn't concentrating, and I know the second half of the scene much better with the famous speech about patience on a monument and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was so naturalistic and and beautiful, and and the energy between the two of you was a little bit almost embarrassed. I actually thought. Michelle was supposed to be on, <laughs> and she wasn't on. So I, I ran back to the screen to look and see what was happening and realized that it was actually the text. <laughs> I, the energy was so spontaneous and beautiful between the two of you that I, I just I wanted to point that out to just give you props. It just was really lovely. Yeah, that was the most, one of the most natural things that it, it that that whole exchange. I, I it was like I, I I felt I was you know just two pals sitting on a, you know, sitting at a bar stool or something like that. And, and it was that naturalistic, but still so beautiful. Uh, other thoughts from the, from the one five group. Eric has jumped in the, into the pool. Um, uh, Janet, Jamal. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I'm a lover. I love love. I really do. And I also love when Shakespeare, when the, like, you know, writing the language and allowing the vulnerability and the spontaneity to be there, like the classicalness of it was just not there. And you were just, ooh, and you just felt it, you know, when you could just feel and you all did that effortlessly. And so I just thank you all for just doing what you did. I, I, I can't talk about specifics because I was just watching this thing be revealed and unfold. And for myself, you know, that's always my goal. And it gets challenging when you're working on Shakespeare. Sometimes you hear yourself speaking in Shakespeare. You're like, oh, you slicing this up, dog. Like, you're making this bigger than it has to be. But it was seamless with you all. It just flowed like water. And I'm grateful to have been able to witness that, you know, because we haven't been on stage in a long time. And to witness that on Zoom, that honesty, that vulnerability, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yes. So mm-hmm. I just loved it. And listen, Sarah, the way you're using your space, you're the one on your feet in here when you was walking out. You went to that door. You did that look back. I'm like, you better go on, girl. It was wonderful. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was so honest. It was so honest. It was so present happening right now. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a joy to watch and be a part of it. So, yeah. Okay, Jamal, I, I have to ask, though, when she was at the door at the end, didn't you want her to come back? I wanted her to come back. <laughs> Get back here. Yep. Yep. It's great. But it kind of keeps that because, like you were saying with Philippa, we don't see them together again until 5-1. Yeah. So if the last energy we see between the two of them, because usually it seems like there's defeat, mm-hmm. not electricity. Yeah. Um, sadness is played. But with that kind of electricity, it would be interesting to see the sustain of it showing up at Act 5. That's that's exactly what we were talking about, Erica. Because we and then and you're right. Then that it has to hold for three acts, 
And then they come on and then suddenly she's like, all right, I'm gone. I'll sacrifice myself. Wait, what? What's going on? Who are you? What's really happening here? No, I'll kill her. You know, like, but that tension that we leave them with is like electric current that has to carry it because I, I, I totally agree, Erica, that it, it's, if it, if it ends on a sense of defeat, I don't want the audience, like you were saying, Jamal, about the things, the baggage that gets attached with Shakespeare. I feel like an audience sometimes watches Shakespeare going, I don't buy that, but it's Shakespeare, so okay. <laughs> right? And, I mean, I'm on a lifelong quest to, to be like whack-a-mole with that and just feel like, no, we have to, all of us, play, put those breadcrumbs in. Mm-hmm. So that even if it's if it's another half hour between, we, if we don't see Sarah and Garrett again, we... We are rooting for them. We are invested. We, we feel the electricity you're talking about, Erica. And, and, and then when, when it starts to happen quickly in Act Five, we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it was there. I really appreciate you saying that, Brendan. I was just listening to a podcast this morning. Um, I wish I could remember her name so that I could credit her. She's a, um, a native scholar, Shakespearean scholar and artist. And she was saying, you know, we, we have these claims that, Shakespeare is universal. And of course he's not, he's institutionalized because he's required in our educational system. So a lot of people know Shakespeare, but don't love Shakespeare. A lot of people know Shakespeare stories because it's just been around because it's, it's required. Um, and I think when we take this in the theater, when we put up productions, we often without realizing it, assume that the audience already knows how the story is going to work. And so we skirt over these moments and that is likely one of the reasons why there is a lot of, um, you know, there's both a love for Shakespeare, of course, but then there's a lot of, what is, what is, what is this thing that I keep being required to study and required to learn? Because we don't earn it with that assumption that people already know it. Mm-hmm. But that's what's been so good about the rep as well, is that, you know, we've had the time to take this apart and to reference that you actually think they only have these three scenes together. It's kind of mind-blowing, right? And it informs you so much. And, oh, guys, you were just brilliant. I must say, the electricity is one thing. I think that's why Nathan's got no power in his house tonight, because it was all here. <laughs> and, honestly, I think exactly what Sarah was saying, um, having had the time to do all this work and have all this exploration, and then you can trust that you've explored and all you have to do is listen. And I just saw the two of you listening to each other. You've already got the language and the structure. And and more than that, though, I see so much put on Shakespeare, feeding into what you were saying, Sarah, about, um, you know, the preconceptions about Shakespeare and how it should be done. You see quite often this kind of homoerotic stance on, at the beginning of this scene with... I, I didn't see anything there. All I saw were two people connecting on a very, very deep level. And for me, that is infinitely more interesting to watch than because I was completely, what, what, I, I didn't know. I was confused and I was bamboozled by it. Isn't that great? Like you said, Jamal, on Zoom. Really? I'm always decrying the fact that, like, I assume, though, there's no connection. You guys just blew that out today. And the listening and the, and I didn't know where you were taking me. I mean, I, I, and I know 
because I know the scene, <laughs> not as well as you guys, but you know what happens, right? But honestly, I was on the edge of my seat thinking, what, what are they playing here? It was great. Mm-hmm. I'm um, going to share this thing too, that what I love the way that we work. And I think I messaged you, Brendan, about this too, because we really talk about the emotional life and some Shakespeare rehearsals. It's all about the text and finding on the line. That's true. That's very, very true. But the way that we work talking about what was actually going in the life, like I feel like we were more focused there with this and it does something different. It, I think it gets us to this place. You can get there doing the other thing with the language, but I do think like being on intention, knowing what's happening with the character, knowing what's going on in life, what's that thought? It is on the line. It is on the line. But knowing that for me, at least in this modern world, puts me on the line in a different way than text, 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 text first for me, you know? And so it's another way of working through Shakespeare that isn't always the case. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is text heavy and, and, all, and all technical, technical, technical. And we really focused on the emotion and the intention and what was going on with the life and the spirits of these characters in this world a lot working with you, Brendan. And that's what I saw here too, agreeing with you, Janet. Like, yeah, it wasn't the homo, it was two human beings, two souls communicating and connecting. And in anything, in anything, that's more powerful than to put on all these other things when it's truth and honesty based on this love that we are exploring in this uh, in Twelfth Night. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say that again, because I love working the way that you work, Brendan, on this text, because it's not something that I get often. And it's what I prefer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really working on space for text, just for me, how I enter the work for me in my context in life. Um, and I saw that come through in this scene. So they're like, oh, yes, let's keep talking more like we do in rehearsals to get there. So, well, I, I, I really, that means so much, Jamal. And I, I think that at just sending it back to, to you and the group, I felt like one of the fun things was throughout the, our weeks together, we knew you all worked on the text outside of our meetings. And this is something I talked to my students about as well of like, there's the, there's the homework, right? There's the things to know your text well. So then when we come in, I said, Jamal, so what's your 2021 version of what Mavolio's ranting about here? You just drop something in. Right. It's not about right or wrong, but this Jamal with this Mavolio in this moment with these with this text can come out this way. And I think that helps every helps everybody be even more authentic and speak from their authentic voice and not that sort of Shakespeare voice or what how you think it should sound. While while still. And this really speaks to the 21st century hashtag love is love. Right. For me, that's what that was right there. I mean. It's it's amazing because of all this, how we say, um, you know, how, how regular Shakespeare was in those times anyway. And it was so kind of commercial, really. And we see it as this highfalutin thing. And and to see that circle around right to now. And who knows why it's like that? We're also influenced by our times right now that that's what I was completely getting from it. Love it. I didn't think I just saw love. I didn't think. You know, gay, straight, mistaken identity. I just saw love. This is mm. fantastic. And I, t- I told Nathan um, that uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to be in this workshop was I, I thought I really knew Twelfth Night. Oh, I no. didn't. Twelfth right. <laughs> Night. Not, not the way, not the way we're doing this. Every scene. It's like if you really, really look at it and talk it and play and listen to it 
there is so much there that it, it truly boggles the mind that it could be so much could be concentrated in so few lines. And it's it's like you're you're you're, you're a miner digging into the earth and occasionally you come up with these wonderful shine nuggets of precious stones and things and it's um and and it's amazing and they're there for the for the finding if you take the time to find it and that's what we had the luxury of doing here and mm. i just thought it was amazing Philippa, I just want to, I wanted to just give you a, a, a chance. I think you were going to jump in a moment ago and share something as well. I was just going to say very quickly that I loved, um, seeing, so in the former scene, you would have seen, um, Olivia say, take the fool away. And then Festy says, well, you better go then, Olivia. And now we've got Michelle coming in as the fool, which is just lovely, um, in the casting. And, um, the only other thing, oh, I was just going to say, um, the way that these lines are structured, that, um, that Orsino is asking questions of Cesario and really listening, whereas, and then, um, Cesario says, well, um, shall I to the lady? And he says, oh, oh yes, my love can give no place. Bide no Danae, and he's going back into this sort of fake speech at the very end of the scene, showing how beautifully open and listening he's actually been earlier. Yeah, and Philippa, I, I would just I love that. And I would add that what I found, another thing I, I made a note of, Garrett, was the, the end there was so complex, and you were playing this kind of emotional chord where... It, where Sarah, it felt like it cost you a pint of blood to ask this about, should I go to her, please say no. And I felt like, Garrett, you, it, you really hollowed out the line. The I, that's the theme, was the least enthusiastic re- reading of that line I've ever seen. Which, which is great, which was to me read beautifully of a man in the way that you all have played the scene. You have, you have painted yourself into this emotional corner and you don't know yet how to get out of it. And you just sort of, I guess that's what we're going to do, but I don't have to love it right now. And that carried you all the way to the final silent beats watching her go. Does that make sense, Kara, in terms of what I saw? Yeah, yeah, I think I, we had talked about it in our last time, too, like that being the least, I mean, it is the least enthusiastic thing you could say. <laughs> like, I, that's the theme, <laughs> you know, it's just so lame. Yeah. Uh, so I just, it it seemed to me that it it didn't mean what he wanted it to mean. It wasn't the thing he wanted to say in the moment. And then, too, even with like a little bit, and we talked uh, well, even with like the, the scansion there, it's so interesting that it's like he ends the first the first like ending couplet with say, and then it just kind of it, it like stops, and then it goes. It's like he's like searching for the word, and he can't think of anything else but this terrible forced rhyme at the <laughs> end. You know, the Danae. It's like what what is that? Um, yeah, there's just something very. There's just so much in that in those three lines. Uh, I find I found really really fun to play with. And they just push back against the couple. You know, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Erica. With Viola at the end of the scene with Olivia, when she says, uh, place it in contempt, and there is the one word, and she's left hanging, and then 
nails it through. It's the same structure at the end of that scene that the last speech that she has, that Viola has with Olivia. Another thing that they have in common, Orsino and Milo. <laughs> I think we're shipping them really hard, as the kids would yeah. say. This is, they're meant to be. Shipping, shipping them Don't worry, Erica, I'll never use that word. <laughs> I, 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 it sounded weird I, coming out of your mouth. What well, are you saying? It did not scan. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it's a bad, bad cordo. That's, so just imagine that. That's not again. Nathan, do you want to um, save me? I uh, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll attempt. Um, I, I was just stunned watching this, guys, and, and everyone has said pretty much everything I was thinking, and I, and I mean that about both scenes. And, and it, you know, it, it reminds me that all four scenes you guys have worked on—it's just extraordinary the the depth that all of you have been able to get to in in these scenes, and and. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I won't say I was quite an emotional wreck over here watching both scenes, but it, it's just, I was so pulled in. And, and, and as we've talked about, especially with, uh, Orsino and, uh, Cesario, there was this element of, I don't know where this is going. Like, what? And, and I, I think that's one of the most exciting things you can do with Shakespeare. Uh, you know, and, and, and I would assume even with his audience that they knew the stories, but like, What's he? How is he going to tell us? What's what are they going to say? And, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it, it was really exciting to 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 see that and just all of the work that you guys have been doing over the weeks. Um, and and it it made me kind of think that it, it almost seems like with all the scenes, but we can just kind of talk about these two. But um, it almost seems like these scenes almost need this much time. That you know, of course, you could rehearse the whole play in a week, but what is it like? And, and I'm, I'm curious if anyone has any uh, further uh, uh, thoughts on just having this kind of time to really explore this. It, not in a way that, I mean, if you're doing a run of a play over eight or nine weeks, you, you, you know, of course you'll uncover and discover some more things. But uh, to not have that pressure of, of just doing it over and over um, or, you know, just approaching it from a different angle. Do any of you have any have any thoughts about just the the amount of time you've had to think about this from week to week and really just digest uh, in a very slow way, um, you know, all the notes that have come up and, and things that you wanted to think about and explore? Because it, and I guess I'll, I'll I'll wrap up my question with this: that it's like, did you ever feel like at week three or four, like, oh, okay, yeah, we got you know, we got the scene, we figured it out, or was there? Was there always more you were you wanted to explore? I think that, like, oh. um, um, personally, I have been lucky enough to work where I've sat down and done a, a lot of table work beforehand. It very, very rarely happens. Mm. Um, but for me, then you do the table work and then you get it on its feet, right? But what we were able to do here, because we're concentrating on four scenes, is... Um, do the table work, get it on its feet, marinate over it for a week, do the table work, get it on its feet. Mm-hmm. And having that repetition um, so concentrated, because obviously you've got to get through a whole five-act play, um, that was really interesting mm-hmm. for me, for sure. And I think that's valuable. I mean, I can't ever see 
a practical way of that working in real life. But I don't know. We can try, right? I started feeling like today was a, I kept trying to frame it in the four week period that you usually have the three weeks of rehearsal and the one week of tech. And today for me felt a little bit like, like uh, maybe the second run through in the room in that first scene for me. So trying to grasp it, something new, a color that we had discussed the week before. Right. And then bringing that into it. And then getting to the end of it and going, oh, but I missed the color from last week in that moment, in that moment, in that moment. And then knowing going forward, I would have the opportunity to run it and touch back and bring back those colors. It's when you're at that point in rehearsal, where you, uh, you know, you get to start going, oh, this was good and this was good. And this, oh, I like this felt right. And this fits the story that we're telling right here. This is good. You know, it, it that's, that's where it worked out uh, for me. Cause I think my brain kept trying to go, um, <clears throat> um, you know, well, this is, a, this is where I would feel in week two. This is, I kept trying to condense it back into the four week realm of what we live in, which even now sounds expensive, four weeks. Mm. Um, but I mean, it was funny. I rehearsed the play once in Philadelphia and we got to block the play after table work on the set. The set was almost completely done and it screwed with our heads so much because of the sensation of what it was like to be on the set. It was like, wait a minute, we're not in tech yet, right? We're not in tech. I mean, it was a very funny sort of mind fuckery. Excuse my friends. It was just so this for me, not in a frustrating way, has been a very interesting process in terms of going from one frame, Liz's frame, and then two days later I jump into Brendan's frame, and and the first one I'm thinking Mariah, and then the next one I'm thinking Viola, and then to piece I just that was my format. <laughs> Love that. I love that. I wonder, I wonder if it's the seven weeks. But when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, if we have four weeks of a show, we're in rehearsals, like eight hour days, right? And we're doing this for two hours with two scenes. I think it's how you use the time in the room. Because in that four weeks, you do have the time. It's our full time job. And it's how you use the time, I think. And I think in the room, when we're in the room, I think because we know we're getting on stage soon, there's a different type of energy and a rush to do things, whereas here, knowing what this is and what the end point is, be as artists and directors and producers, dramaturgs, is this like calmness of like, oh, I could actually be present here without thinking about the end result at the end. And we still have that in the beginning with this as well, but I think it's how you use time. It's the quality of how you use time, I think it is. Because I think you do have time to get to what we got to in four weeks. If we don't rush through the process, because we have to get to the designer's run. We have to get to the tech run. We know we're opening up. Like, there's this anxiety and this rush that comes when we're in the room. And I think... Why aren't they laughing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And I think opening it up, I think this world, we this all of us, no, not all of us, some people, after this year and a half have learned how to be present and to really be here. And I think that's what I've learned for this project. I don't know if it's the seven weeks, but I think that's a lot of time for these two things, honestly, me personally. <laughs> but I think it's the quality of how you use the time, the quality of how you use the time. Yeah. And we don't, there's not always quality with how we're using the time in the rooms with like 20 actors and a director and 
producers asking questions and stage managers and all the hoo that goes on. I think we were just present here in a different way than we are used to being in the room with the chaos that can come with creating theater. And we didn't have the obligation of feet. We yeah. didn't have the obligation <laughs> to go, I'm going to exit. Is that upstairs, right? Is there a hole? There's a hole there, right? I'm supposed to. Okay, I'll pop it. That change, I got to pick up that desk and then come right back on for a quick change over there and then come back in. Like all those That's different right. things. Stage manager, well, did I exit the last time? That way, or okay, let's back it up. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that got off the shelf, which was sort of lovely to experience. Hmm. Not have that obligation. I want to. Um, I just want to jump in really quick. I'm, I'm loving the, the conversation. I, I do want to uh, mention uh, Peter uh, from the attendees. He mentioned, I think, Sarah, uh, the, maybe the one you, you listened to was Madeline Sayet, S A Y E T. So if anyone wants to. Um, 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 dive into her work more and, and hear more about what she has to say. Uh, you can do that. Um, and you know, what I, what I want to mention is it's, at least for me, it's so exciting and fulfilling to, um, see all of you. And I include Brendan in this too, or the directors at large, um, get to stretch and show different colors. Of, of what you can work on and what you can do. Um, because if, you know, I, I think about the two scenes on Monday and then these two scenes and just all the different layers. It's, you know, on an inherent level, you understand like, Oh, they're actors. They can do this. But what I love is you get to show us your range. And, and that's like, that's very exciting because you know, a lot of times actors don't get that opportunity. They they just like people see like, oh, they can do that thing. And that's the thing they just keep doing. And it was it was really fun to see not only that you guys did that, but how fully you embraced all of your different characters, all of your different parts. Uh, you know, we kind of talked about this on, on Monday, the, uh, the the courage it, it can take to just go, you know what, I'm going to make this part mine. I don't care what the expectation is. I don't care how it's been done before. And I saw that even today, you know, that, that there, there was a lot of, I just saw you guys doing this and, and that was so, uh, so rewarding and so exciting. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that other people get to, uh, you know, see that from all of you. And, um, uh, uh Christian in the chat said that, uh, you know, he agrees and, uh, that, that, so it sounds like that was the, um, experience of some of the attendees uh, as well. So uh, I, I just want to If I, if I may, really yeah. quick, just definitely not, but I want to just agree that when, Michelle, when you appeared as Feste, mm. I laughed out loud hard. Because <laughs> I, I, I was like, oh, obviously that's a different person than, than the woman we got for Olivia. Right. <laughs> so stately and veil-laden and, uh, and, and uh, you know, to the manner born. And then we got the, yeah, what do you got? I mean, it was, it, so Nathan, I mean, just within this, what, that, this, these two yeah. scenes, in addition to, I'm sure, with Monday, I, I, I love that, that, that sense of commitment, even within Zoom. I mean, we, we talked about this, right? I mean, Garrett and, and, uh, Sarah, how we can use proximity, right? Like, even, like, when you, when you lean in, and I think those are kind of, those are the things that I think we can bring more to table work. The more we can make table work robust and exciting and, and kinesthetic and not just frozen from the, from the, the shoulders up. That's something I'm taking away. You were talking to Jamal about things to take away from this. And one of the things I was thinking was one inch equals a hundred miles. And if you're present, every little turn of a head, anytime someone's leaning in, 
that can happen around the table. And I'm thinking as a director, I, I'm, I'm, I want to be even more present for that and note like, What's what what happens when you do that? And so when we add feet, like you said, Erica, yeah. we could extend that, right? So a lean in turns into a I suddenly get this image of if we were to do this scene of Sarah, but like I but I know I suddenly thought, what if I just went up and grabbed him? Like and shook him, which I've never seen. And I thought, but that's what I got from your two proxit you know, this, that what you both brought just within Zoom. You didn't seem to let the medium dictate mm your choices. And, and I felt like that times a hundred. And I, I think if we can bring that sense of play and tuning out all of the noise that you all were mentioning, um, if we really, I, I think, I think we we can find ways to, to dive deeper sooner. Mm. It's hard as hell. And I totally agree for the director and for the actors. Um, but it's, if that's sort of set from the beginning, Right. If we if we advocate for it, if we demand it, if we feel like this is our best self, um, I, I think it's it's about vulnerability again, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I want to just give the um, the attendees you know another chance if anyone has any other questions. Uh, I, I do want to bring up one more comment. Uh, it was related to what uh, uh, you were just saying, Brendan. But, yeah, if anyone has any other questions, feel free to raise your hand or if you want to come on camera or if you just want to put it in the chat, that's fine, too. But um, to echo what you were saying, Brendan, Christian said, uh, it makes me think endlessly how we can take all these lovely feelings, discoveries, and approaches we've learned from the Zoom space and apply them to the stage. So, yeah, just right in line with what you're saying. And, and thank you, for Christian, for, uh, thank you, Christian, for sharing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was just a, a lovely, lovely afternoon. But I'll, I'll, I'll give the attendees just, you know, another few moments to, you know, if you have any burning questions or things like that. But otherwise, we can we can wrap it up and. Uh, just to, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still reeling from everything I, I watched. So it's, uh, wow. Yeah, it was quite, quite amazing, quite emotional, uh, to watch all this stuff. And, and, you know, Brendan, the point you made about seeing Michelle and then, uh, as, as Olivia and then Festy, like, uh, we could probably point to all of the actors today. It's just like, you, you guys made just such, um, you were so bold in your choices to commit to what you were doing that, you know, I can, I can remember seeing Jamal as Sir Toby on Monday and he's a totally different person today, but it's still Jamal. And I, and I could, I could go through everybody, you know, I'm just, I see Jamal on the screen right now. So it's, but that's, that's a testament to all of you, you guys and, and your work. And what I also love is that it's very clear that you at least to me or, or my, my perspective is that you're all learning from each other too. And that's, that's exciting. It's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's not just the river flows downhill. It's, it's that, you know, you're all taking ideas from each other, which is, which is very exciting to see because a lot of times it's not until four or five, six weeks or the place over that you're like, God, I love that you found that moment. I mean, you know, you guys were able to have this here, um, you know, before you even do the play. So that, that that's really exciting. But um, any other final thoughts before we kind of wind up the, uh, the public part of this? I'd like to add on to conversation that was happening earlier. What Janet and Jamal were saying about uh, this this way we present Shakespeare and the way it's seen. And I remember when I first moved to New York and I reconnected with this brilliant woman, uh, Eloise Watt, who used to run the Shakespeare workout. And 
she had known me in Seattle before um, we'd met at a workshop in Seattle and then had known me before graduate school. And then we reconnected when I got back to the city. And she said to me, she said, you got rid of your, your regionalism. I said, huh? She goes, you're hard R. She said, you used to use that so brilliantly. That was your voice. Now you have sort of a grad school pronunciation. I'm not saying get rid of that, but don't completely erase you. And I think we, we often feel like we have to abandon some part of ourselves in order to do a period heightened language piece. And it really isn't true. I mean, it's, I, I had a master class once with Janet Sutzman, who was a wonderful British actress. Um, and, uh, she said, the biggest mistake you Americans make with Shakespeare is that you make him Shakespeare. She's like, he's Shakespeare. He's a playwright. He's another struggling playwright. You know, <laughs> we do have our rules. There are rules to follow in terms of verse, scansion, structure, and that kind of a thing. But I do love the idea of, of, and, you know, having the time to go into the humanity of these people and the connections, you know, that, that was just so beautiful. And I would encourage people to um, hear themselves in their sounds. So like when I heard myself saying it take great, takes great pain, I took great pains to con it. And as I was working on my lines today, I was like, don't, you know, bring it back. Just be Erica. It took great pains to con it. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> that viola is a viola. The audience will go, oh, I feel that. I took great pains to con it. It's going to make somebody who's maybe not a Shakespeare fan go, see, I don't relate to that. But the skin of what we took off during this process, I think, sort of helps create that relation better. And and that's all I'm saying. I love that so much. You know, I think going off of that, I always tell people, too, when they say, you know, certain regionalism, they won't be able to hear that in the back back row. I'm like, so when I'm doing August Wilson, you're telling me the back row to understand what the hell I'm saying. (laughs) That's what I that's what I say to that. I'm like, uh, that makes no sense, because when I'm doing work that is written for me, there is regionalism. There's there's all that. And the person in the back row hears what the. I see I'd be cursing sometimes. And so I think that's to a good point. And and that doesn't X out the other stuff at all. It's just saying that all these things can be true. It's about intention. When the intention is direct and clear, it's going to get to the back row, I believe. And also you were speaking about something earlier, Erica, about the colors that can be lost. And I think like that as well. And then when you said that, like, huh, but that's the vulnerability of these characters, too. Like making the characters human. Of course, they are experiencing this in the moment and colors can be lost. And so if I'm vulnerable in the rehearsal process, to let go and colors to be lost how much more present I am in the vulnerability of the character and thinning that line between me and the character until it goes away it's like me allowing myself to be vulnerable and lose colors and miss miss words and stuff because that's what these characters are doing and figuring out with the scansion and everything it's just been formulated in that way and so when you said that like ah I'm going to use that I'm going to allow colors to be lost to be present and to be vulnerable in the space to discover to discover, to discover. So thank you for saying that. I just want to say that out loud. That was that was beautiful. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I was, as I had my little outfit on, I was like, this is great. This is weird. This is weird. And then I was nervous before I started, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, but isn't she nervous? And suddenly I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. 
I'll just be I'll just be nervous right now. And whether this is great. Or felt all that kind of stuff. It's up to the audience. So sorry. This is great. I, no, no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in. I'll, I'm gonna uh, I'll close out the public uh, section so that the cast we can speak for another three hours about all the things that you guys are thinking about. Um, but I, I just want to highlight a couple more comments uh, from uh, the audience here. Let's see. Uh, uh, Peter said, thank you again for doing this, making it accessible to others with the audience here and these presentations. Great experience. Uh, and Christian added, um, we were talking about, um, or Erica, you brought up the point of not making it Shakespeare, but, you know, Shakespeare the playwright. And he said, yes, one of the best notes I ever got with text like this, take it out of the kingdom, put it in the bar. Ah. So there you go. Um, and so, uh, I, again, I want to thank all of the attendees of the cast. You, you can hang out. And, and I, I teased this announcement at the very beginning. And, of course, if you're here on Monday, you heard it. Um, but uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little time off for the summer. And then in September, the plan is to come back and do some checkoff, uh, uh, you know, in, in kind of the month format that we have been doing. And uh, we're very excited to bring in uh, Libby Apple to do that. Uh, Libby is the former artistic director of Oregon Shakespeare Festival, former artistic director of Indiana Repertory Theater, former uh, dean of theater at Cal Arts. She's a Kennedy Center Award winner. Uh, she has uh, uh, translated five of Chekhov's plays, has had a lifelong love affair, just, you know, he loves, loves, loves this material. So we're, we're tickled that, uh, you know, she can, she's excited to be part of this and, and work on that. So there'll be more information forthcoming as we kind of put all that together. Uh, but uh, uh, thank you again for being part of the presentation here at, uh, for, for Twelfth Night. And, uh, again, the cast uh, can hang out. And uh, I do see one of our other directors is in the audience. Uh, uh, Liz, you can hang out. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you backstage in a second. Uh, but thank you very much, uh, and I uh, hope you had a great time. Hey, it's Nathan here one more time. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to that uh, entire presentation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love going back. I mean, every time I watch these, I'll learn something new. Uh, the work is just so fantastic and so deep. Uh, it, it's just wonderful. So I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, and like I said, the plan is to roll out more of these. So please stay tuned to the podcast uh, or YouTube. Um, you know, I'll really, I'm really making an effort to uh, you know put more of this out there and not just uh, hold on to it and wait for someday. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're not on the email list, go to workingactorsjourney.com. Um, that is usually uh, where you will find out first about things that are coming up. You know, where I first shared about uh, Libby being part of the rehearsal room and anything else that's going on, I probably will be able to email about it first before I'm able to get it out on the podcast uh, or YouTube. Maybe social media, but email is, again, going to be your best bet. So workingactorsjourney.com free to sign up you can even get uh, a resource it's called 10 ways to stop worrying and start working uh some of the uh, best advice from i think the first two seasons of the show uh in a pdf so you get that immediately when you uh sign up uh, you get that free and then you'll get ongoing notices of what we're doing so that is it hope you're having a great rest of your day look forward to sharing more with you soon and take care i'm nathan agan and enjoy the journey